Hey, this is Madeline speaking to you directly as I edit the podcast for the first time since we came back. Wanted to jump on and say, well, we're putting out this extra long episode this week. And yes, it is a day late as we recorded it uh, a little later than we normally do and a little drunker than we usually are. And we'll also be taking next week off as I am absolutely swamped getting everything together for the virtual Unnamed Footage Festival, which is on May 7th. If you want to check that out, go to unnamedfootagefestival.com. I will put a link in the notes alongside with a couple other links of things that I mentioned today during the show. Um, But yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Madeline and her attorney. Email us, madelineandheraattorney at gmail.com. And yeah, it's really fun doing this again. So um, thanks. All right, I went ahead and hit the button. Okay. So we are recording. We're making a record right now? Yeah, we're making the record. The wax work. Let's make it official. The wax is working. The cylinder is turning. The cylinder is spinning. The needle has dropped. Onto the wax. <laughs> yeah, we go through a lot of wax. We really, we do, a, we, we spend a lot of money at wax. At wax. At wax. At the wax works. Wax.com. Yeah, the Emporium of Wax. They yeah. love to see us. They smile ear to ear. Yeah. Well. As uh, though their face were frozen in wax. Welcome to Madeline and her attorney watch movies. It is me, Madeline, and my attorney. Thank you for welcoming me. And we're going to watch a movie. Well, we did watch a movie already. This is a pretty, this is almost as a. In fact, it's probably even more current than the, the first one yeah. we did in our current series. Yeah, but we can't talk about the movie yet. We got to do everything else first. You know, actually, let's do some housekeeping. All right. It's like we've actually been doing this. Yeah, I'm, my place is a mess. I'm sorry about no, that. No, no, not that kind of housekeeping. The kind of housekeeping where I say I want to thank Sabrina for doing the art for the podcast. She redid our, um, just like our regular art. Yeah, we'll call it the cover, I guess. The cover art, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, she's, album art. Yeah, and she's been doing art for every episode. Every episode. And it's very good and very funny. It's very good. And she does it almost all without any uh, instruction. Or knowledge. Or input. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gave her a little bit of advice about the Morbius art. Yeah, uh, I mean, she I, I posed for that picture. She's never met me, so it's really incredible. <laughs> no, she's asked me what you look like. I describe you pretty good. Yeah, and she draws it perfectly every yeah, time. It's, yeah, in fact, it almost feels like there's a supernatural component to it. It really does. She closes it? her eyes, yeah. the, pen, the pen disappears, and out comes art. Yeah, out comes art. <laughs> <laughs> I could never do that. I'm not an artist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I also want to thank uh, Randy, Randy Statt, um, who... He he makes some music, and every time he sends me music, I save it, and then I use it on the podcast to have some sort of introduction. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, Ra- Randy's great. I'm going to make him make us more music. Randy. Remember that? No. Randy. Nope. You don't remember that? Randy remembers that. Does Randy... Re- re- hey, if you think Randy remembers that, please send an email to Madeline and her attorney at gmail.com. Yeah, it was Randy with, I think, four R's. Yeah. Aziz Ansari played Randy. Oh, in the movie Funny People. I do. He did a whole Randy bit, didn't he? Yeah. That guy's like canceled now, though. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I do know. I know that. Really? Yeah. Uh, is he canceled to you personally? No, I think he, he got a bad deal. You would accept his checks? Uh, Yeah. I don't cancel his checks. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. <laughs> 
good start on this one. Strong, strong opening on all of our podcasts. The last time I do prep. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, how have you been? How have you been the last week? Gosh, I guess I've been pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like I've had a pretty good week. I bought a new lawnmower. That's cool. It's electric. Wow. It's so quiet. It's actually almost eerie how quiet it is. My association with lawnmowers has always been... That, you know, frequency of uh, a motor, that, that gas-powered wine. So this is like a gentle hum. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So you know, that's what it, that's what it feels like to be forty-one years old. <laughs> I, I was I was uh, I was living in an apartment about ten years ago, and I bought myself a vacuum cleaner. I got so excited. I saw it at Target. It's a splurge. I was like, I'm going to buy that. That vacuum cleaner looks fantastic. Yeah. Over. And uh, I thought. I'm no longer twenty. I'm, I'm no longer a twenty-year-old man. I'm now. I am now a grown-up, who was real stoked to vacuum, <laughs> to go home and vacuum right away. And so I feel that same way now about the, uh, the mower. That's cool. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate your being kind about this. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I've now made us take our headphones off so we can't hear. Yeah. And and like last time when we ripped our headphones off, it felt like a freedom. That it was sort now of it like feels we're, like you're in a prison. Yeah. Now I feel fear. Yeah. Because I. I normally can hear what we sound like. You can wear headphones. I don't mind. I don't want to. I feel like the conversation flows smoother when I'm not listening to myself a fraction of a second later. Yeah, I had a hard time with that. I was talking over myself a little bit. There was some latency. Not a lot, but enough that it was uh, causing me to slow down, which I don't think anybody wants. I think if uh, if there are any notes, Uh and I don't think that there are. Talk faster. It would be faster from the one. (laughs) Faster from the one. One. And uh, that would I, me being me, I would assume the one is me. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll try, guys. I'll, I'll do what I can. Yeah, I haven't really watched much the last week. I've been busy. Yeah, I did watch a Gore Verbinski film. What? Yeah. Which one? The Ring. You are all right, but uh, it was my third time seeing it. It is funny. I don't think of that as a Gore Verbinski film. Much like is. my little joke. I don't know if we were recording when I said it, but mm-hmm. uh, when I do that toast thing, yeah, I said that's from a Brian De Palma film. Mission Impossible, oh. <laughs> which is a funny way to describe Mission Impossible. It's a brand of Palma. Brand, yeah, you wouldn't think of it that no, way. No, I feel the same way about The Ring and Gore Verbinski. Yeah, it's Even so funny because that's like the one movie I associate with him other than Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's just like all the rest. Yeah. Like he, his, he has a very distinct way of making... It's almost like you go to a restaurant called Everything PBJ. Yeah. And you're like, what do you have? And they're like, well... Well, we this a, one's Nutella. We have a few options, but yeah. it's all going to be PBJ. And that's yeah. kind of how I feel about Gore Verbinski, but I love it. He's mm-hmm. serving a delicious sandwich every time, to me, to my perspective. Yeah. And so The Ring, I think, works in some part because he does that. Uh, his style worked for that, for me, for the experience of seeing that movie in theaters. Yeah. I originally saw it in theaters. wasn't crazy about it. Then I rewatched it um, yeah. at the very beginning of the pandemic. I went and watched all the Ring movies. I watched Ringu, Ringu Two, The Ring, The Ring Two, and I was just not—I was not into it. I didn't like it very much. I liked it more when I watched it last week because I watched it at Astoria Horror Club. So okay. it was in a bar with a big group of people who were really excited about it, and like that energy improved the experience for me quite a bit. I think it's the most I've ever appreciated it. Yeah, it's, it's- it has a real creepiness to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like it's got really great atmosphere. It it I still don't love it stylistically. I think you put that kind of green blue filter on everything, and eventually I, I get a little tired, sick, a little yeah. queasy, I get a little queasy. Um, that horse scene is amazing. The uh, the the scene where they're like you only get a half a second of it, where her like face falls off in the bathroom, right? Huh? Isn't there a scene where they like open the door it's on the girl? Poltergeist. 
face falls, face falls off in the bathroom. That's in Paltry because he rips his face off in yeah, the bathroom. The, well, there's a sequence in the ring where she talks about seeing. It's like the opening sequence is the two girls. Yeah. And one of them gets a phone call. Yeah. And then it's like later in the movie, mm-hmm. you don't even see what happens to her at the beginning. Oh, you just see correctly. a flash of it. A flash of She's her face. Sitting, like, yeah, yeah, you do. Oh, question mark. Both up. times that someone gets ringed um, by Samara, you only see them for a fraction of a second. You never get a good look at it. Yeah. Which, which I, I think, think adds is to really its effective. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because it mean, allows your mind. Mm-hmm. To fill in the, the you know the gaps. Yeah, like I love to look at fake gross stuff in movies. Yeah. So like for me, I I want to see it, but you know it is kind of cool to just show you a few frames. Yeah, especially because it's a movie that's about telling a story or hearing hearing something sort of secondhand and passing mm-hmm. it along. Yeah. And so that if that effect, I don't know if it was what they were going for, but it seems like you almost. You hear from somebody else what the person who was present observed, and you only get a glimpse of it. And it's probably because they didn't really hear it, you know. Yeah. So, so they cheat a little and show you a little of what mm-hmm. freaked out the, the person who's now like in an insane asylum or something, right? Doesn't she end up in an asylum? Oh, uh, the friend does, yeah. The friend does, yeah. Yeah. You never really follow up with her, and then you just get to see her for a moment. You but, don't need yeah. to follow up with her because she didn't get ringed. No, she didn't get ringed. She didn't watch the tape. Didn't watch that tape. That's a that's a Naomi Watts movie, too, right? It is. It is Naomi she was, Watts. She was a dynamo back then. That was like her, probably her busiest oh, point yeah. of her career, right? Yeah. Cause That's she like when she did Mahal. Just done Mahal and Drive. Yeah. yeah. There was that one with uh, Sean Penn, I think. But yeah. Grams, was, whatever, 13 Grams. What's the name of that movie? Remember that movie? 20, 21 Grams. 21 Grams. Yeah, it was about from the guy who went on to make yeah. Babel, but I think she was in that. She yeah. had a lot, a lot going on That's at that moment. Sean time. Penn and Benicio Del Toro, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's I, the weight of the soul. Of it. Well, it's the it's the subtle difference in weight. When a living human and a, dead and a human. corpse yeah. and, and and the immediate yeah, and the it's immediate. and they they are not taking into account the piss that leaves your body. I uh, I can't speak to that. Okay, because it might just be the piss. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of stuff sloths at the very end. <laughs> at the very end. <laughs> Nobody, I you know one thing I did watch this week, which mm-hmm. actually I I love and I want everyone to watch it is the Expanse. Yeah, it's a TV series, not a movie, but it is. It is effect. I think it's my favorite series that I watched in the last two years. And there are six seasons. All of it is on Amazon Prime, and it's set in space. And it's sort of about a battle, uh, not a battle, but like a political, you know, um, tension between people that are still on Earth, those who left and decided to inhabit Mars, and those that decided to go further out into space into the the. I think it's like the asteroid belt around you know, uh, one of Jupiter's moons or something, harvesting ice for those out at the space stations. And it, it's really all about the the way that, you know, power kind of allows those out on the perimeter to, to, to fail. It's a neat series. It's a great series. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the best series I've ever seen. It's probably the best series I've ever seen, the best treatment of space travel that I've ever seen. Everything's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it feels real, um, authentic you know and it is science fiction of course it's not based on anything that's really happening and there is a a, a sci-fi issue you know a a gizmo that's that sort of drives a lot of the plot through the first couple seasons but it's a um it's just a terrific show everybody in it is is a uh, you know great and the reason i bring it up is somebody said in the last episode uh that uh, he felt like he was you know he was sort of well, nobody dies with a full bladder. That was the comment yeah. that he made. As uh, as things start to really hit the fan, he he, he comments on oh, nobody dies with a full bladder. 
I'm gonna watch that show mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll report back to you. Yeah, we could. I mean, I I yeah. would talk about it at more length. I, I don't know that I'd have to. It's based on a series of books. There's nine books in total. I've not read those yet, but I probably will know that the series, the TV series, has sort of hit an endpoint. Um, from what I understand, the series covers the first six books, and then Amazon, all the money in the world, they just didn't want to make any more of it. So we'll see what happens. The, the show creators, the guys who own the IP, still, they've not. Um, to my understanding, they have not foreclosed the idea of just shopping it to someplace else. It didn't start at Amazon. It started at Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe we'll get more. I, I love it, though. It does tell a pretty complete story. So don't worry about it feeling like it gets cut off in the middle. I, I really recommend that. I love that show. Yeah. The, the Expanse. Yeah. I think the only TV I watch is Drag Race, which just ended. It's about cars, right? It's about cars. Auto racing? Yeah. Yeah. My girl won, too. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Oof. How much drag? Uh, a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Super drag. Super drag. Big um, tires. And I've been watching Daredevil with uh Oh no, that's terrible. With my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Hey, it's all right. The, is the it? Dare, the Daredevil man is is very cute. He's yeah. a real, real cutie. No, he's great. He was yeah. one, if you want to see more of him, you should check out Boardwalk Empire. He shows up in season two. Yeah, he's he's great in that show too. Mm-hmm. Um, I found I found Daredevil sleepy. You don't think it's sleepy? Yeah, I don't know. I, was I don't really like the, the Vincent D'Onofrio performance. But again, it's like. It's Marvel stuff, so it's just very entertaining, and that's it. Yeah, I wish it was though. I, I yeah. guess I thought like they spent a lot of time with the ancillary characters mm-hmm. dealing mean, with like the housing crisis in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, it's like, the way they talk about Hell's Kitchen is so funny to me because Hell's Kitchen is like less than a square mile. Yeah, and they talk about it like all of New York is Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, and, and like its character matters. Yeah, it doesn't at all. It doesn't. It's like the spot you get dinner before you going to a Broadway that, show. Like are, that's are, all that Hell's are, Kitchen is now. Are you telling me that Kingpin is like the king of Hell's Kitchen? That's <laughs> yeah. like two blocks. Yeah, I know. I, that's a real minor. It's a real goofy show. Yeah, like yeah. almost any drug dealer would have a bigger ter- territory mm-hmm. than Kingpin in that series. Yeah. But, I'll yeah. say this. It was fun because it was violent. Yeah, I, I, that is probably why I, I... You're sticking with it? Yeah, I like to watch the fight. Did you watch the Jessica Jones? Yeah, I liked the Jessica Jones. I, I only liked the, the first season. Did you watch I, Iron Fist? Uh, no, and I do not want to. Okay. We we did watch The Defenders, which is like all of them, and it yeah. takes place after the second season of Daredevil, and it was, it was painful getting through it. Yeah. It was like every episode felt just like a, a chore. I, I checked out it's after Jessica Jones. so bad. But, too much, too much, right? Amazingly, yeah. they have like ten hours, and everything somehow is short, shorted, mm-hmm. while they're being way too much of everything. I don't yeah. really, I didn't enjoy Daredevil. I was like, hey, this could have been a two-hour movie. It didn't need to be a ten-hour yeah. treatise. And by the way, like I remember in, <laughs> in that one scene, he's talking to Rosario Dawson. It's just like, mm-hmm. what's it like? He's like, it looks like a world on fire. Yeah, and you get this one shot and of everything like dappled in red, right? Yeah. And then later in the same series. You go back into his POV when he's yeah. like running on the rooftops, and that's not what it looks like. <laughs> it just looks like a like a blur. I'm like, well, what the hell was all that world on fire talk? Yeah, it, it's one of those shows that feels a little inconsistent from episode to episode. They used a lot of money here and there, yeah. and then they really chinsed out on the. And I forgive me if chinsed out. I should maybe just not say that. I don't know if that's is that racially insensitive. I, yeah, I actually don't know. I do, I hope it's not. But I don't know what it is feels, it, what is chintzy. I don't know. It comes from the word chintzy. C h i n t z y. Which is not just an adjective. I don't know. Oh my god! I don't know. You well, look it up? this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna look it up, and if it is offensive, we're, we're gonna cut the, this. If we're in the clear, if it's I'll, not offensive, I'll keep saying it. I'm absolutely leaving this part of the podcast. Yeah, in. for sure. We don't yeah. want to like. 
I mean, it, we, it goes to show that we do the work. We yeah. make sure that we're not saying, you know, racial slur. Of, <laughs> like, or decorated with chintz. Yeah. Cheap and poor quality. Yeah, I think chintz is just a, a an ch- adjective. Miserly. Yeah. What is the origin of chintzy? It's actually kind of a cute word. Yeah. I hope it isn't offensive. You know what? My, Stick with it. Yeah, my initial response is it's not. Great. There is a chintz page on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know. Uh, oh, is it a little iffy? No, I think it's fine, but I'll stop saying it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello again. Letter from the editor here. I took a moment to look up the etymology of the word chintzy. And it actually is from Hindi. And prior to that, it was a Sanskrit word um, from the Sanskrit word bright. So it may be somewhat of a derogatory term in English. It actually is sort of a lovely word with a lovely history. Okay, back to the show. There's nothing Marvel that I get excited about except Morbius, um, which is a Sony product. Duh. Yeah. But it's just such a product... You know, I love, I know that people love to go to bat for it and and act like, you know, not most of the population is obsessed and funneling large sums of money into buying, seeing Marvel type stuff. Um, But, you know, I I find it for the most part incredibly boring. Yeah. Yeah, No, don't worry about that. Yeah. You don't have to, you certainly don't have to apologize to me. I've seen all these movies. Mm Mm-hmm. They are basically like a little, yeah, yeah. You know, they're like a cultural touchstone, you know, and they're also kind of like a, you know, like a cheap amusement park ride. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I get that. I think I know what I'm doing. They're basically nothing is special. Yeah, they're like, well, yeah. Well, actually, that's true. And, yeah, and I feel like they're moving in a direction where less and less is going to be relevant to the big picture. Mm-hmm. I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere that yeah. um, they they kind of shot their wad. Oh, really? With the Avengers story, yeah. the 10-year Avengers saga. Okay. And that they're not really anticipating pursuing a, a grand unified plan like that moving forward. Right. So you're going to get a lot more, you know, four-movie uh, bump. So it was one of the biggest annoyances for me is anytime, you know, because Matt likes Marvel stuff. Like I'm sorry to hear that, man. It's fine. Um, Crushing to hear the podcast. And I want to make my partner happy, so I'll watch Marvel stuff with him. But then something will happen and everybody will get all excited. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's because mm-hmm. it's referential to other products. Yeah. And, I, and I'm and i not, I, I'm not in, you know, taking all that in. Secret so invasion's like coming. So it's nothing to me. Kang the Conqueror. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. No, I don't know what any. Hey, did you watch that HBO series Lovecraft Country? I did not, no. So I'm a little surprised. I think you might get a kick out I of it. I probably would. Maybe not. There's a chance you wouldn't. It's the last. The last thing I watched on HBO other than Euphoria was the the Watchmen. That was good. I really liked that. I thought the ending was a little, you know, to ex machina. Um, sure. Which whatever, but yeah, it's hard to end a story. Yeah, especially about a god. Yeah. I mean, he's sort about of his, a big blue god man. Yeah, about a big blue nude god. Yeah, really attractive. <laughs> Well, John, that guy's name is Jonathan Majors, I believe. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. also the star of Lovecraft Country, so you ought to check oh, it out. Oh, is he really? He's the lead. He's, okay, the, he's the primary lead. I will absolutely. He's watch also it. the guy who plays Kang. Yeah. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. So we're we're really in his like mm-hmm. season at the moment. Yeah. He's very talented. Yeah. Very handsome. In like, Lovecraft Country, he looks like a freaking. He looks like Chris Evans in that first Captain America movie. He just yeah. looks carved out of wood, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, and it's set in the, the the I guess I want to say the fifties. Possibly the 60s, but I think the 50s. I think it's set post-Korean War. Yeah. 
So it, it would be in the late 50s, I think. Uh-huh. And so it has that sort of Captain America throwback retro vibe. Yeah. Which uh, the first one, anyway. Yeah, we're watching... Um... A neat thing about that, though, oh. forgive me, I want to, this is the last piece. Something that's interesting about Lovecraft Country, and I think it'll benefit you going in, mm-hmm. is that it does, it does tell a story from beginning to end. Each episode, you know, from the first to the last episode, there is a through line. But each episode is a different, a different kind of story. Okay. So they, they, it's almost like they do a different um, class or genre or niche yeah. in sci-fi and horror every week. Oh, that's cool. And so cool. the first one is is the one that's got the Lovecraftian horror aspect to it. Yeah. And then the next one is already something different. Mm-hmm. It's still a little Lovecraftian, but you like by the third or fourth episode, they're into something very distinctive. Like there's one that's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. And there's one that's a, a straight up. Like Asimov style science fiction about like moving through time and space. Uh-huh. And so so it's a it's a it's it's like an anthology fused with a single story about uh, these characters. I could get into that. It's I think. neat. Yeah, but yeah. but the experience is almost jarring initially because I expected the the plot well not the plot but the tone mm-hmm. and the style of the first episode to be carried through because the first episode's got a real heavy sort of neat style. Yeah. And but but even by the second episode they're doing something different in the same place yeah and it's, it, i sort of had to realize or train myself to appreciate what they're doing with 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 the same characters and a new concept each time but it's neat you should check it out i will yeah the other thing we've been watching you know, on the marvel front i like how we're talking about the thing that everyone else talks about when i have like all this knowledge of like obscure right. marvel like, hot takes. cult cinema we don't, <laughs> yeah. we, we both said don't need it or let's wa- keep going we're watching the moon knight <laughs> Oh, how do you like that? It's fine, I, I, but it's like every time I watch, I just want to watch First Reformed in the Card Counter, considering it stars the two most the, recent yeah. Paul Schrader film stars. That's interesting. I've watched yeah. two first two episodes of that. That yeah, night. it's fine. Yeah, kind of sleepy. Oscar Isaac. He's good. Yeah, but I just want to watch the Card Counter. It does feel to me watching the first two episodes. I'm like, uh, it would be a little. I one. I'm not sure that dissociative identity disorder is real. It's um. It is not really like it's, it's not, not settled. Yeah, it's not settled. Which tends to suggest that it's not yeah real. Not to be shitty. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say things like that, but it's not it's not real. No, I actually, and, uh, I actually think that that's kind of a fair statement. And so this is a story that's very much but, about a person who's got an identity inside of him, or vice versa. Yeah, you know, and it's hard to know if we're watching the character that was created by the re- I don't know mm-hmm. in the first two it, it feels like there's a lot about that yeah and I don't have a lot at stake with that and honestly I kind of hope they get over it at some point or they come to work together in some way like the idea of a there's only uh, it's been two hours of, yeah. the, of the like guy not really knowing what he's into I'm like boy at some point you're gonna have to tell the story yeah you know like the first episode kind of worked as a man who's in a in a dark room who, who gets flashes that he's something that something unusual is happening, and that's like a fun setup. Although, frankly, it could have been shorter than forty five minutes. Yeah. And then uh, the second episode continued that. I was like, "Holy God, <laughs> I know what's happening." You can't keep you know, telling the, the story to me. Also does it. Oh no! When I know everything that's happening, and the only like I don't like <laughs> stories where the only person that doesn't understand what's happening is the it's person the you're watching. Yeah. I'm like, geez, this is a weird way to torture a, okay, a viewer that's I, paying attention. I'm digging into my memory, so. Um, Disassociative identity disorder. What is is that? It. It's DID. I think, yeah, I think yeah. so. It's a multiple. It's, it's like multiple personality syndrome. So what it is is the depiction of it in media, inclusive of uh, the depiction mm. in Moon Knight, is not accurate to what it it looks like in reality. Okay. So it's more about creating other personalities within yourself to protect yourself. 
Right. But like it's more internal, less external. Okay. I think is my understanding. I did this like immersive experience in VR world. Oh. That was about DID. When do you think they'll take you out of there? Uh, never. I'm still there right yeah. now. It was really good. We're deep. Yeah. What level is this? Because you were playing a child and like you were the child. Okay. And then there was actors who played your parents and then there was like um, kind of these forces that existed in your mind that like influenced what you did. And I think like recorded... Um, like people who are actually experiencing this disorder, it's more like that. So I think it's more just misrepresented. Oh shit, I'm back. Um, <laughs> so the name of the show that I'm talking about is The Severance Theory. Welcome to Respite. And it is actually set in VR chat, not at VR World, the VR theme park in Midtown Manhattan. Um, we've had some frozen margaritas. I, I don't know if we've mentioned it or not yet, but uh, I get a lot of things wrong this episode. But I'm going to link the website for the Severance Theory in the description as it's a really fantastic show and just a really um, kind of gorgeous representation of of how you can do VR storytelling. Um, okay. Thanks. Okay. So the way it's, it's represented is not, it described. doesn't exist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not the, like you actually create a whole bank account and get a job as a second exactly. person half of the time. That's not a thing. And right. it's not like you switch between personalities. You know what one movie I fucking hate? Is it the one with John Cusack? No, it's the one with um with Kevin and his twenty seven personalities. It's the Shyamalan film. What's it called? Split. Split. Fuck that movie. You don't like Split? That is a movie that's point of view is that like traumatized people are better and more powerful than untraumatized people. Yeah, that's true. Which I think is deeply fucking offensive to both traumatized and untraumatized people. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, like, the, that, that idea that like if you can get past your trauma, you're stronger. Right. That's bullshit and shouldn't be communicated to yeah, people that who probably... can't get past their trauma because it's like telling them they're worthless. Yeah, and it probably leads to a lot of abusive parental experiences exactly. where they think that they're making you tougher. Yeah, I think Shyamalan is a real dummy. I think his movies are dumb and they have bad toxic ideas. Yeah, he's, he's good at a couple things. He's yeah. good at, I like his shot I don't selection hate him. a lot of the time. I really don't. I don't hate him. I, I do think that like he can make a good movie. I just wish that he would stop putting toxic ideas in his movies. Yeah, maybe he's a toxic person. Maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he hasn't fully survived his trauma yet. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't he know. needs to be traumatized. I do at least like to think that the reasons I dislike him are not the cliched reasons. And I'm not going to make fun of him for the kinds of things that people make fun of him for. I just simply think like old is anti-pharmaceutical in a way that was dangerous to put it out during a pandemic. And Split gives people really bad ideas about trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I did like Unbreakable, though. I, I remember liking Unbreakable, but it's been such a long time. that The cool thing about Unbreakable yeah. is that every line is whispered. <laughs> Just like this podcast. Yeah. Even except, except for maybe uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. He speaks at a normal volume and he shouts from time to time. Like he begs him to come back at one point. He's like, please, I just need to ask you a question. <laughs> But every line, everything Bruce Willis, everything Robin Wright says, and they're both in that, just as they were, I think. And oh no, no, Bruce Willis was in the sixth, the, the sixth, sixth sense. sense. Yeah, he's the ghostman. Well, he was the psychologist. Let's not spoil. Oh, that. sorry, I ruined it. I don't. Yeah, he's he, somebody in that movie sees ghosts. Yeah, Haley, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, I think his wife in that movie. What was his wife in that movie? Was, I don't remember. Was it the Australian actress? No idea. No, no. Haley Joel Osment's mom was played by the woman who was 
I'm sorry that I can't think of her name because okay. I actually like her very much. You'd know yeah. her. You'd know. She's, if she's I a saw big, her, I'd know She's her. a real big deal. I'm um, terrible with names. She was just the one that was in, um, in what's it called? Inherited? The movie? The, the movie. Inheritance? Tony no, Collette? The movie. Yeah. Inheritance, Tony Collette. Um, Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That is her. Oh, okay. So she I got she the plays person. Haley Joel Osment's yeah. mother. There's like four movies called Inheritance for some reason. Well, everybody inherits something. Yeah. Got to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> Got to make a movie. <laughs> I got an idea. Be it, you know, genetic conditions. Yes, yeah, it's about inherited trauma. Mental illness, trauma, yeah. Wealth, wealth Money. beyond measure. Yeah, you got to inherit something. Yeah, skeletons <laughs> in the closet. Everybody's got a parent. Everybody comes from something. Yeah, that's a good catchphrase, I think. For, yeah, that for could be the, for the pot. A ghost movie. Oh. oh, yeah, everybody comes from something. Everybody comes from something. Actually, it could be a ghost movie. It could be a porn. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Both. Ghost porn. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's your new website venture. <laughs> Ghostporn.biz. Ghostporn.info. <laughs> Everybody comes from something. You need information. <laughs> um, What's this thing I do? It makes me come. Well, we gotta you gotta check out ghostporn.info. <laughs> they got a really nice uh, list. It's basically just a compendium. It's really extensive. Yeah. Do you masturbate there? Oh yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Buy, I'm buying the URL as we speak. But yeah, let's get that on so, GoDaddy.com. Go, <laughs> that's where I get all my URLs. Yeah. Dream host and GoDaddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this podcast is sponsored by GoDaddy. <laughs> it isn't, though. So, you know, don't go there. No, but if you would like to. They wouldn't give us any money. Please don't listen to what we've said in we, the past. <laughs> we, did, we didn't. Just send us the check. Yeah. Um, Please send us the money. So I want to introduce a new segment that I, I want to do uh, weekly, uh, if possible. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see if it's possible. If it's possible. Yeah, Who knows? That's I mean, a huge if. Yeah. If, if it's impossible, <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So one of our listeners, my good friend Michael um, from California, he's also a lawyer. He passed the bar recently. I don't like where this is going. What? No, go on. Okay, but he listens to the podcast, which I really like, and gives me feedback. And so I want to introduce a segment that's like the Merms Check or the Merms Report. Merms is the nickname, which we're going to use to refer to Michael. Michael, call me Merms Esquire. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so we'll figure out what the name is. I think we just did. What is it? It's Michael Call Me Merms Esquire report. Has ideas. Has ideas. Has some thoughts. Has some th there we go. Merms yeah. has some thoughts. That's some it. Thoughts. I love it. So um, Merms listened to our Benedetta episode and had some really interesting things that I thought would be great for us to discuss. Okay, let's bring uh, him on. Mostly on the topic. Of, oh, he's not here. Oh, no, he's not here. No, um, no. We, we talk via text message. Good. Um, so I've got records. Got records. Mostly on the concept of blasphemy. Oh, all right. Let's hear more about that. So first I'm going to read what Merms has said, which is, it's very funny that we had uncertainty about a movie that depicts a phallusless Jesus as being blasphemous or not. This uh, is what Merms said? Yeah. Is Jesus' penis canonical in the well, Bible? Well, here's the thing. So, like, when I think of blasphemy, to me, that's offensive to God, right? And I normally think of it as saying something that is offensive to God. 
or yeah, you're taking an action. But I is. think we're actually thinking of it from our own perspectives. And really the people who should be judging whether or not something is blasphemous are more extreme Christians, like more. Yeah, I quibble with your use of the word extreme, but yeah. I think I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. People that are more devout than we, than we Thank are. you. Devout is the word I was looking for. That's far better put. Yeah. So thank you. We're totally wrong. Like it's really blasphemous because someone who is a devout Christian would be super offended by seeing stigmata, seeing oh, you know, so you someone... think any visual depiction of stigmata it constitutes a, an act of blasphemy? Um, or Merms I mean, Merms argued that you know sometimes even the depiction of like a God figure, a Christ figure, or anything would be blasphemous if not done in the right context or, or even at all, um, which okay. I just thought was really interesting. It's because we were coming to it from our own perspective. Well, yeah, I think I tried to explain yeah. that while no, doing you, the podcast. No, you did a really that, good uh, job of I reminding felt, people that like... I felt completely unequipped to address the depiction of Christianity in that film because I am not a yeah. torchbearer for that. I will I mean, also say that... that I'm very defensive of my dad's Catholicism yeah. in a strange way because he, he opted to keep me out of it. But, you know, I don't like when people bully the Catholics. But Merms is like very well read, especially when it comes to like theological subjects. Okay. Um, mostly like Judaism, which is like something that we like talking about quite a bit, and I like listening to to his like perspective on things because he is far more knowledgeable than I am. Um, you can on hear these more topics. of that on the podcast. Madeline and her attorney talk about God. Yeah, that's. that's <laughs> I mean, the idea that she was going to be her, that she considered herself like engaged to Christ, that he. He was her husband, probably, is to yeah. a, a pretty serious degree, not what a, a nun literally thinks. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's used as a metaphor. Yeah. Again. Calling them the brides I of Christ. I sure yeah. don't know. Then she's having weird sex fantasies about him. Yeah. Um, so let me read Merm's messages. I, I bet the... I bet the carving of a mother, a Virgin Mary dildo <laughs> is pretty bad. That's actually. probably the most blessed exactly. thing in the whole movie. That's probably the bit. <laughs> And that's the one that was kind of a softball yeah. that I wish I'd hit a little harder. Yeah. But yeah, I, that I that I buy. All right, go on. But right, okay. So I think the movie does not depict the church negatively. Yeah, actually, it has um, positive feelings towards like Christianity and the church. But yes, the the movie is is guilty of blasphemy. Yeah, maybe I should have looked that word up before we started talking about it. I thought I I understood you know? it, but I really think it was more I was caught in my own. I should have like, probably looked it up right now. Perspective of things. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's offensive in the eyes of God. I get. I think is pretty. Yeah, I don't think so. But um, listen, I'm going to be honest. And this is this yeah. is some this is how I feel. If there is a God who creates everything, yeah, then I think that God is an idiot. <laughs> if that God's feelings could be hurt. By a video depiction of something that other people don't like. I just I'm don't believe that it. that second part. Just no. leaving it right at idiot. Well, sure. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Smite this. <laughs> so, uh, right. The fact that we had that whole conversation about blasphemy and then dropped the dickless Christ is in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Merm says, a dickless Christ is like a big flashing red sign. They love a masculine Jesus. They love dominance hierarchies, or at least as an institution they do. I'm sure there are cool, weird Catholic theologians and cool, weird Catholics, but those aren't the people protesting it. All right, well, and I'm like, oh, you nailed it. You did a good job. For your inaugural, Merm says thoughts. Yeah. He came in hot. Yeah. He used the phrase dickless Christ a lot. I love it. I mean, yeah. so did we. Well, no, actually, we, we used tucking. I said Jesus tucking. Jesus tucking, tucking. Christ. Tucking yeah. Christ. Jesus tucking Christ, yeah. I, uh, 
I think we can probably do this again. Although, I think this is a good segment. I mean, it really leans on whether or not Merms has thoughts again. I know. That's why I said it might not be possible. It might not be possible. What if Merms stops listening to the podcast because or worse, of worse, stops thinking because of this? No. <laughs> oh, my God. This is what happens to blasphemers. <laughs> We've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a presumably lucrative career as an attorney. Merms is going to come on the podcast one day. Oh, I hope not. I hope and so. I'm like a mess. Yeah. Two lawyers, one Madeline. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds that sounds like something you look up at ghostporn info. Well, thanks, Merms. Thank you, Merms. All right, I think now would be the think, time that think, we. Well, now, now obviously it would be the time we give Merms home address. Yeah, <laughs> live on the air. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to yeah, the sure. topic of the day. Okay, what is that? The movie that we saw together. Yeah, yeah we did see it. We saw it. We saw it in the theater we, together. We sat down in the theater. Small theater. First, we went to the cheesecake Very factory. Very intimate. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, we we don't need to bore everybody with our experience in well, the cheesecake factory. Can I just tell factory. them about my Brussels sprouts? But I did even tip that guy twenty. Yeah, we, he deserved it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I guess he he gave in us the cosmic sense for hours. Yeah, we were, that waiter was horrible. That's another place we had to send a drink back, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Not send it back, but we, didn't, we never no got show. it. Yeah, it's so we said, "Hey, don't worry about it." That's odd. Yeah, I yeah. don't. Know, but God, what was it? The mushrooms. Mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Give. We gave him a whole order, and then he repeated, "Okay." He kept saying mushrooms. mushrooms back to us, and there right, were so, no mushrooms so mush- involved. Yeah, my wife got a, a barbecue burger. He's like, "All right, so mu- how do you want the mushrooms?" And, and she's like, <laughs> "She's such a sweetheart. She doesn't want to correct anybody." I just started. I pointed out. I said, "You said mushrooms a few times there, and nobody said nobody at the table said mushrooms once. So we're clear that you're not getting a, a mushroom burger, right?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I, I just said it. I'm not writing that down. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And then the food I wish you would didn't stop come saying it for an hour. <laughs> for an hour. And yeah. then we said, "Hey, we've got a movie to get to. Either bring us the food or bring us the check. Yeah, like either take. Like we don't need the food or bring it now. And he brought it immediately somehow. And I had ordered Brussels sprouts, which came." completely undressed so they were they were supposed to be like uh fried brussels sprouts with balsamic and bacon and stuff it was just fried brussels sprouts sitting in a puddle of oil mm-hmm. um they're great and this is what people listen just to the podcast fully for. undressed sprouts well, you, but you did say I great i can't stop thinking about them. you want them again no i never want them again but and the great was <laughs> do you think you would order them again knowing that they're not normally prepared that way i feel like i would this feels like a dare this and, and a dare that i will take oh boy yeah so now it kind of feels like you're gonna order them every time i have to i need to know yeah but they definitely were supposed to have things on them sure. and they were just undressed brussels sprouts yeah. just just hot. to a crisp <laughs> yeah a little oily at the bottom all right really odd but well, yeah cheesecake factory and yeah, maybe put a timestamp in at the beginning of our restaurant discussion at the end of it although unless you want to talk about our when we had lunch today as well oh yeah let's talk about lunch what'd you have i had a, a burrito i had a chimichanga okay and a sangria swirl <laughs> frozen margarita okay and we and guess what i did what'd you do i joined a club yes what club did you join queso for life club how much did it cost it cost me a queso plus one yeah what's the one dollar it's one dollar well yeah but a queso yeah you had to buy a queso but then pay an additional dollar you know what i get now what queso for life for life at least for a year that's so great yeah free queso for you i've never ordered it before now i'm gonna order it every time you have to it's just like the spackle that holds my arteries together (laughs) 
I had a sip of my frozen margarita and it froze my esophagus. Yeah. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack and vomit. And what did we decide that was called? Um, I don't remember. Dead heart. Dead heart. We called it dead heart. Because you had a cold pain in the center of your chest. Horrible pain. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about movies today. Let's just log off. No, because we saw... Actually, I'm I'm kind of comfortable taking this long up at the front end to get to the movie because this movie's still out. It's like... It feels to me like it's still brand new. It is. And I'm going to get... I'll I'll, I'll sort of start with my review. I loved it and I want you to see it. Not you. You've seen it. You'll see it again. I'm seeing it again tomorrow. Anybody listening to this should probably... And then I'm going to see it a third time with my mom. I'm taking my mom to see it. Before listening to us talk to about it, it right? Yeah. Like you should go see. Everything. I don't want to spoil the movie for you, and I think this is a movie that you actually could feel a little spoiled. Yeah, it's not like it has a lot of surprises, yeah. like The Sixth Sense has surprises, mm-hmm. but everything is sort of a, a, a surprise. It's much funnier than I expected it, is it was not going to be. A movie that feels controlled by convention. No, nothing yeah. is contrived, and I, and I don't want to say that like there are not things that are conventional in it, right? Um, but it is not. Uh, yeah, I can't explain. I really don't. I would love to talk about what made me laugh. Yeah. But to do so would almost certainly dim the effect on somebody that hasn't seen the movie yet. Yeah. So if you've, so if you've looked at the bind. art, if you've looked at the art, you know that the movie we were discussing is Ice, is Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, the new film by Daniels um, with a, uh, a like like almost fully Asian cast, which is awesome. Almost, yeah. Yeah. I like, mean... Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's only one real, I would call it major role that's not an Asian ca- cast member. Which is Jamie Lee Curtis. Which, who I almost who did. Who, unrecognizable. I genuinely, I genuinely was oh. waiting to see her name in the credits to see if I was right. I had suspicions it was her, but she yeah. was, yeah. I mean, when and someone it, is willing to let themselves look that bad. And it's not and like she was in creature funny? makeup either. She was no. just, she was just unflattering. She just yeah. wore an unflattering outfit. She was in bad shape. But she like, she moved her body right. She was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, she moved around like a hulking monster. I know. Oh, what a great performance. Yeah, she really was great. And I, and it's almost shameful of me to start off with her because Michelle Yeoh is in it. Yes. And, it, and is, I don't want to say it's like the, the performance of her lifetime, but in a way, this almost feels like it was a performance that was designed to make you appreciate Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I mean, in terms of her this, Hollywood This is career. like the performance of exactly. this her This is lifetime. her international performance. It's incredible. I well, I mean, she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, I guess I'll do Which that. got a tremendous <laughs> amount of yeah. international press. Actually, yeah, was, I take that back. Crouching Tiger is, is fucking huge. She was in the like, Star Trek Discovery series that was on Peacock or whatever now, uh, yeah. or Paramount Plus. I mean, she's been a fixed, not a fixture, but she's been a presence mm-hmm. in my life as a movie observer for yeah. most of my adulthood. And well, as, that goes back to when I was in high school. As someone Crouching who Tiger. watches a lot of Hong Kong films. Yeah. She's been in a lot. She's been in something. It seems like she's been in something all the time my whole life. And this movie uh, is, is I, you know, it's very, very good. And it makes her feel like a living legend. Um, to, to not spoil it will require that we be precise. Yes. And, you know, and we are, I'm going to just say, I'm going to try not to express as much as I might otherwise express about the movie. My, my praise is very significant. I think it's excellent. I, uh, if it sounds like I am, reluctant to talk about it it is only because i'd really love for anybody that hears this podcast and is inspired to go see it be able to enjoy it the way i did yeah um well i will also say like i was complaining when the when we got into the theater because the men trailer was on the new alex gardner film i love alex gardner i know i want to see men i don't need to see a trailer i feel like because i saw the trailer for the the unbearable weight of massive talent that nick cage movie yeah there's no way that entire plot isn't revealed in the trailer yeah like i know the ending of that movie from that trailer like without a doubt and 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 that infuriates me so i avoid watching trailers to the best of my ability 
I had not seen a trailer for everything everywhere all at once. I knew from the people involved that I wanted to see it. I knew from the title and the concept that I wanted to see it. I did not need to see any footage of it to know that I was fully interested. I, I saw an ad or two for it. And mm-hmm. I'll say this, the ad campaign was very um, judicious. Yeah. They knew that I, I get the feeling that the filmmakers were involved in the way it was advertised because they didn't really spoil anything. They basically laid out the sub, not the, the the super plot, the, the overarching plot without yeah. explaining any of the underlying components of it. Uh, for example, I didn't even know, I didn't know going in if the movie was going to be in English or, or in a foreign language with subtitles. Yeah. Um, I actually think I turned to Sabrina right at the start and went, oh no, this is going to be in English, isn't it? And then subtitles came up on the screen immediately. Yeah. It's, it's in both. It's it's in both, I believe, Cantonese and, and English through the whole runtime. Yeah, maybe. I looked up uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. And apparently she was born in Malaysia and it did not speak Chinese natively. So yeah. she had to learn some Mandarin and some Cantonese over the course of her career. Do you have any idea how old she is, Michelle Yeoh? What would your guess be? Uh, early 50s? Yeah, she's 59. She'll yeah. be 60 this year. So she's late 50s. Oh, my God. Incredibly impressive. She's gorgeous. Yeah, especially given her age. Yeah. The movie's pretty neat. I mean, you can start to – she's like a martial artist. In fact, she started as a stunt woman, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's partly because she couldn't speak the languages of the movies that were being made in Hong Kong. Yeah. And this, I just read this article in Elle magazine. It was a really nice article. Yeah. Um, she broke her spine doing a stunt. Whoa. She was doing real intense stunts. She I didn't wrote know a, that. Yeah, she, one of her stunts, she rode a motorcycle like onto a moving train. She broke her spine. Oh, I did know this story, actually. Yeah, she, she yeah. broke her spine, though, jumping from a train, I think, onto a moving truck, but like uh-huh. missed. Mm-hmm. And you know, apparently they they really went for it in, in these Hong Kong action movies. They yeah, I mean, that, I'm saying we really should watch them because yeah. I think you'd really enjoy You're probably the Hong right. Kong style of filmmaking. Yeah. I think a lot of the cool shit that's happening in American action cinema right now is like 100% influenced by Hong Kong films, but they don't reach an American audience um, as as often. So like, people are like, oh wow, John Wick is so you know whatever. But John Wick is just doing Hong Kong action. Yeah. You know? Like, I had a conversation with someone recently about how The Raid was such, like, a huge breakout and, like, influenced action cinema, like, a lot immediately afterwards. I I think a lot of Hong Kong films do the same, but they just don't get seen. Yeah, they don't get the attention. Yeah. The credit. Yeah. The directors wind up working in Hollywood. So you get your John Woo. You get your Troy Hark films in Hollywood in English and they're not as good mm. but it, yeah the, something just doesn't work yeah I don't know so how would you like I mean at this point how would you like to talk about this movie what do you think you'd, what would you do if let's say you had a podcast where we talked about movies what okay. what would you do next on that podcast I'd probably talk about Daniels okay let's do that because yeah. I don't know anything about Daniels I've not seen Swiss Army Man I don't yeah. know anything about him so uh, Daniels has made three features it's two dudes named Daniel first name Daniel first name Daniel they're okay. they're pretty young one of them was the roommate of a friend of mine in college actually yeah I should ask him about that be like hey Garrett remember when you lived with Daniel of Daniels but that would make for a great story I'm sure go on <laughs> yeah I mean, that's all he's ever said about um, it. Next so. week, starting next week, every week, Garrett, remember Daniel? Hey, Garrett, remember Daniel? If possible. We're gonna have to, you're going to have to expand on that idea every week from now on. But yeah, so um, two guys named Daniels, uh, young guys, um, just like really creative. Like they definitely have like kind of stoner sensibility, in my opinion. Yeah, they're dirty. Yeah. They tell dirty jokes. Yeah. 
Um, but not but not obscene jokes. Just like they kind of want to get in trouble a little. But they've done music videos. They've <laughs> yeah. done some um, a bunch of TV. I tried to think there was it was the turn down for what video. Yeah, I, they, I saw that. Yeah, in yeah. I looked them up a little bit, so I know a few of their credits. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen that video. That video is bonkers. It's very funny. Yeah, that video is sort of like the natural precursor to this movie. Yeah, as a Swiss Army Man. So Swiss Army Man was their first feature. Their second feature was. Uh, oh no! Never mind. I'm lying. They don't have a second feature together. Well, or maybe the other one. I don't know. I don't know. Let well, let's not worry about that. Go on. Okay. Tell but me yeah. more about Daniels. So they made Swiss Army Man, which stars Paul Dano and uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe is a corpse that Paul Dano finds when he becomes stranded on a desert island. It's a third Daniel. Yeah. And almost a fourth. Yeah. Dano. Danos. Dano. Daniel. 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 Um, and uh, Swiss Army Man's really absurdist and really weird. And I think doesn't reach the emotional depth of everything everywhere all at once like they very clearly matured as storytellers between the two movies um i think swiss army man is a blast is very funny it's like i mean it's a lot of fart jokes but and it also is very dark in a way that everything everywhere all at once isn't i'd like to jump in i read one article i think it was on polygon.com about this movie after after i saw the movie And they said that the original script was something like 255 pages long. Damn. And it started with a bigger picture concept of the branching timeline concept, right? Sort of an explanation of what you're about to see Mm -hmm. with a narrator and examples that featured characters that were not technically in the movie, you know? So um, it started with more of a Douglas Adams irreverent vibe. Yeah. And I think in the article I read, Michelle Yeoh kind of said, we should start with the family that it's about and let the, like sort of let them put it together. So it was more like a collaborative. I could, be, I could be wrong yeah. about Michelle Yeoh giving them that kind of recommendation, mm-hmm. but I got the impression that she thought that it would be a better story if it was if it began in the middle of things rather than with an explanation of what we're about to experience. Yeah. And so they just sort of cut off this mm-hmm. uh, preamble. But it, I feel like you said something that made me think of that. I will. I will also say the death of Dick Dick Long. The death of Dick Long. One of the two Daniels, um, not Daniel Kwan. It was the what's the other Daniel's name? Uh, Daniel uh, Shiner. Shiner. Yeah, he made another movie. So okay. that was what I was thinking of. I'm woefully unprepared. I've been very busy with film festival stuff. You can see from my face yeah. the you've, woe. You've read more articles than me on this one, which well, is, is great. I, I felt the last time I didn't really have a lot to say about Benedetta. And yeah. it's for all the reasons we've talked about both in the last podcast and a little bit again on this one. Yeah. And I wanted to have a little more to say. So I just wanted to have some sense of what was going on. Honestly, I'm glad you did it because yeah. normally I like I read a bunch of Verhoeven interviews before we did the last podcast. Mm-hmm. For this, I've done nothing except buy tickets to see it again. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. probably what they prefer you to do. Yeah. I mean, I think probably for the filmmakers. For Daniels. Yeah. For Daniels. And, and the cast <laughs> Daniel's everywhere yeah all, all Daniel's all the time Daniel's everywhere all yeah. at once but um, <laughs> but yeah no and I actually think that like well we were talking about um, maturing as storytellers right between Swiss Army Man and this which I do recommend you go watch Swiss Army Man and then we could talk about it like briefly on a future episode because I think it would be funny sure. just to mention it no, I, I'd like to yeah. see it and I know my wife loves Daniel Radcliffe when Swiss Army Man came out um, a 
the corpse of Daniel Radcliffe that was used as like a prop in, in many of the scenes <laughs> traveled with the movie That's to different good. theaters and, and I got to meet it in San Francisco. Could you touch it? I, I think I did. They would just sit it in the lobby. People would take pictures with it. Yeah, I believe how, um, I touched it. How, how believable a corpse was it? It was a good corpse. Like it clearly it was the prop they had put the most money into. Well, full body cast. I feel like that's the one you need the most. In that. I know. Again, I, I have not seen that movie, but Although, I do recall the ads for it, and it was Paul Dano riding a corpse of Daniel Radcliffe, which like is a raft. Like the opening of the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and happen like that's the whole movie basically. Um, and also, I, I remember reading an interview with Daniel Radcliffe that uh, he insisted on doing most of his own stunts instead of using the dummy. Okay. They like wanted, he's like, I want you to rig me up with wires and pull me around instead of it being a dummy and actually put Paul Dano on my back. Daniel Radcliffe's a king. Yeah, he does seem yeah. like a real winner. So He I guess, appears to be doing the most with his fame in the best way possible. So I believe, I believe you when you say that um, you think it was more of a, a creative, you know, groupthink to get to the story that they had. I, I've gotten the impression that Daniels are very open to the ideas of, of their cast and crew and, and they're very collaborative. Mm. Um, again, I, I don't know a ton about them and I want to set already, but I like to think of a movie as a more collaborative project and, and, and everything everywhere all at once really feels that way. Yeah. It feels like everybody's enjoying themselves mm -hmm. in every scene. Yeah. It's a really smart and fun movie. I don't think I've smiled in a movie theater in the last, you know, continuously like I did in this movie. Initially, I wasn't sure. Again, I didn't know if it was going to be funny on purpose. Yeah. And I think I felt a little nervous laughing at the beginning because some of the jokes are like, uh, you know, uh, they're like dad jokes a little bit. There's a, there's a, you know, they're, they're, it's like they're daring you, not daring you, but they're trying to get you to laugh with slightly dirty, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, wordplay or something yeah and then and i didn't know if there was a cultural issue where i didn't i didn't know if i was hearing something that i thought was funny as a white 41 year old guy in new yeah. jersey that might not have been intended to be funny but i'd say by 20 minutes in i was like oh no this, this is, is very funny this is a very funny movie but everybody's in on the joke they're all mm -hmm. having fun with it it's a lot of fun yeah and uh, and i think part of the reason the movie is so good is because of how much time it gives the family yeah. opening with the family like opening is a regular drama that you don't really yeah. There's at least like, five to ten minutes time. of letting yeah. you see these people as they are mm -hmm. here this morning before the the universe opens itself up to uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. So right, it's Michelle Yeoh. Um, her daughter is played by Stephanie. Stephanie um, Sue. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. H S U. I think it's. Probably Sue. Yeah, who who is fantastic. I do not know her. I've never seen her before. Um, like, I'm not sure I've seen her in anything. And she practically carries the second, the third act. Okay, so she's been around. She's She's been in a bunch of stuff that I've seen, but I have a feeling that this may have, like, this was probably a big role for her. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And originally, it was supposed to be Aquafina. Oh, really? Yeah, I read that it was supposed to be Aquafina and Jackie Chan in the movie. As her husband, as I think, Michelle Yeoh's I think husband, is the husband role, not as the lead, or it could have been her father. No, the father, I think, James Hong was oh, probably, was, yeah, yeah. Well, he's wonderful. James, James Hong is a a absolute star. He's another James living Hong legend. Of was just announced as getting a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, him. like in the last few days. 
And I, I was like, you know what? That rules. Yeah. He yeah. Make, you know, he's in, a movie, he's in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. He's in I mean, a lot I, of movies. I know him for Big Trouble in Little China. Like, I that know, is the movie I associate him with. I, I know him for Balls of Fury. Wow. The ping pong movie. Yeah. Which is really watchable. Uh-huh. Like, that's a much better comedy than it has any right to be. Dan Bogler's in mm-hmm. it. In a role that you know, you know that uh, horse-talking clown that I hate wanted. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Horse-talking. The wow. guy who does Olaf. What? He's on Avenue Nine. I don't know what you're talking about. Josh Gad. Oh, oh, Josh Gad. He always sounds hoarse to me. The, the husband. Uh, of- this is a guy who's made a. Is he the one who fucked Hubert? Yes. <laughs> He's made a professional career out of sounding like this all the time. I, I just can't understand that guy. That five years ago we discussed him fucking Hubert on the podcast. It's possible. I, I, it seems like something we talk about a lot. Over the years. Yeah, well, that's a really un- unnerving concept. Yeah. That they pay almost... It, you know what's funny is they. it seems like they're just going to let you get away with the ramifications of that thinking about it too much. And then the post-credits stinger in that god-awful movie is a bunch of cube, like human hybrid cuberts. Mm-hmm. It's... They're, they're, the filmmakers are like, no, we know what happened here. We're not We're not dumb. But right, yeah. James Hong, um, who is so good in his role... At playing like um, like an older like old grandpa who's not really aware and is just sort of grumpy and and then all of a sudden is just like fully articulate and yeah, able sharp. to be in action sequences. Just the way that he does both roles is so cool. In this movie, yeah, well, in he, everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, he yeah. indicated that that Which, was a little bit like the Big Trouble in Little China role. Yeah, in, a, in an interview that I read with James Hong about this, he <laughs> goes, the, "The role he always goes back to is that one." He said mm-hmm. it's the idea of duplicity. He really yeah. enjoys it. Mm-hmm. And he's fantastic. Showing people your one thing and having you know, reserves. and then it being absolutely shocking yeah. when you can do something else. <laughs> yeah, but um, okay, yeah. Then there is the father, Waymond Wang, who is played by Ki Ki Hoi Kwan. I think is his name. I certainly couldn't do better. He is from Indiana Jones 2. That's right. And the Goonies. Short round. Yeah. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And yeah. Uh, and and I forget in, his character's name in the Goonies. He's been in a couple other movies, mostly in the early 90s. But he is someone who left Hollywood because there were simply not enough roles for Asian Americans. And this is something I, I've actually heard from a lot of, of Asian actors like working in Hollywood that the work sucks. Yeah, they were probably asked to do awful. Yeah. Um, they are probably asked to make caricatures of themselves. Yeah, I'm sure all the time. Daredevil, like, what were you going to say? America is incredibly fucking racist. Yeah. And and I think there's a lot of hate towards Asians and, and you know, um, fuck that. Like, I'm, again, not fully equipped to talk on this. Did we recently talk about that in the context of Daredevil? Because you were about to say Daredevil. I was going to talk about Daredevil, yeah. So there is a character in Daredevil. Um, he's a an actor, Japanese. He plays the character of Nobu. Okay, I haven't and seen that. he's in the first two seasons of Daredevil. And really? He's a pretty major character. In the first two seasons of Daredevil? Yes. He's a major character. I watched the whole first season. And you don't even remember him. I don't think he was he, that major. He was. I, what did he do? He was one of the the like big gang leaders. That So it was Madame Gao, who's like the, the older Chinese woman, and then... Um, and then Fisk, and then Nobu, who led the like Japanese group, and then there was a Russian group, right? I guess. So, yeah, I guess I just don't remember that whole. Thing. Yeah. Actually, none of that rings a bell. So, so I, I must just forget that, that the actor who played Nobu, who I'm gonna look his name up because I should speak about him by name. Uh, Peter Shinkoda is his name. So 
he said in interviews that like he was really passionate about being in the show. It was a big role for him. Um, and uh, like if you look at his IMDb, he's done a lot. Like he's been in a lot of movies, a lot of TV. Um, and they basically tried to box him out of the show. Like they made it very hard for him to work. Like they would make him cover his own travel and his own expenses and they'd try to cut his scenes and they just treated him horribly. And then they recast him. Really? That's mm-hmm. odd. I wonder why they would do that. I mean, honestly, I, I think it's just because of, I think it's racism, quite honestly. Like they wanted to pay him less. They they wanted to, they just didn't respect him. Um, and I, I hear stories like this all the time from, from Asian American actors, like talking in interviews about, you know, what they've been cast to do, how they're treated on set. And, so seeing a movie that, you know, was produced in Hollywood, that is, you know, the core cast is all Asian mm-hmm. and they're given incredible roles. It's so, it's such a breath, a breath of fresh air. Um, it's so, it, it's fucking cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. It, it feels like they're, uh, like, again, it looks like everybody's having a really good time. Yeah. It, it, it was a um, a thrilling experience to watch the movie. Yeah, so um, uh, Ki Hoi Kwan, the guy who plays Waymond, um, who was long, was long round, short, short round, round, short the round. opposite of long round, <laughs> the opposite of long, short flat, long flat, flat, flat ball, flat ball. Um, he he said in interviews like that this was incredibly emotional for him to be offered a role that's that substantial. Yeah. And that respectful. And what a role it is. He's kind of the hero of the movie. Well, everybody's kind of the hero. Yeah, of the everyone movie. is. Almost yeah. everyone is like has a moment of hero, heroic. Yeah. Uh, he gets to be so handsome and so goofy. Well, everybody gets he, to look really good. Everybody gets to have a lot of different looks. Yeah. It's a really neat movie. And and you know, so I guess I don't think it spoils it to suggest that there is the the overarching plot of the story is that is that uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Presumably a woman who's... In fact, the original title... Actually, this is something I know from that same article on Polygon.com. The original character's name was Michelle. So it was sort of about Michelle. Yeah. And she said, it has to be... It can't be me. It, I don't want it, I don't want women seeing this movie to think that this is a movie about me. It's about A Evelyn. movie star. It, yeah. is about a, it is about a woman named Evelyn who's just a, who's runs a mother. A runs a laundromat. Yeah. Made some decisions in her life that led to this. And she has some regrets. And she thinks about how things might have gone a different way here or there. Um, so that's another way she sort of tweaked it a little um but everybody has a chance to sort of show up you know and be important and that's sort of a, a big part of it i mean every person in the movie seems to be you know equally vital to the conclusion in a way which is very thoughtful yeah um yeah so it's a, it's a movie about a a woman mm-hmm. i guess probably who is 59 years old or so yeah who is uh just working you know, and life has become kind of a cyclical repetition of yeah. work, you know, and sleep and home, like cooking work, you know, like the, the, the routine of life. And she finds herself a little bit, I think, bored. I think it's safe to say at the beginning she's a, maybe not. I don't even know if that's fair I, I because she's she got a lot is, on her mind. She is bored and yeah. I think she feels empty and I think that she's been bad to the people around her Yeah, because of just this. Yeah, there's some representations that suggest yeah. that her other family members are feeling like they're. Yeah. Not being. Um, I mean, so her husband Waymond is is trying to divorce her, 
um, which she does not know yet. That's revealed to the audience before it's revealed to her. I wouldn't even say that that's definitely true either because he he, he kind of indicates... He's serving her papers. Yeah, but he indicates... Well, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. But it's implied, heavily implied that he's contemplating divorce. Yeah. And... Um, he's given her papers, but he's not sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a sweet. Yeah. It's a very sweet movie about, her, and he is a very sweet character, very, mm-hmm. very kind. And her daughter is um, a lesbian. Uh, her name is Joy, and she has a long-term girlfriend, and really wants to introduce her grandfather to her girlfriend, as he is flying in from China for some. Um, I think it's a New Year celebration. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, and so she's been kind of nasty to her daughter. Um, like about being a lesbian, about her weight. Um, she's nasty to her husband about feeling unfulfilled. And I don't know that it goes reverse to say nasty, just not nice. Yeah. Okay. She's just being a little unkind. Yeah. A little insensitive. There we go. Okay. Because I don't think she, I don't feel like she's ever depicted as being cruel. She calls her daughter fat. No, but that's it's that's a modern not, times thing to call her. The way that nasty. it's done in the movie is to imply she's doing something mean. Like the Again, way ins- that insensitive, it, yeah, but maybe not mean because she does think she's mean. She means well by saying it. It's not a. It's not an insult. It's like a recommendation to shape up, which some people take as a, as a as an insult. But I don't. I don't think people. I think a lot of people say that without without it meaning to impact the recipient. I am, a, I am a bigger woman. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Okay, I'll I'm defer to your tell judgment. You that the way people talk to me has nothing to do with how they feel about my health or how I could be better for myself. The way that that scene happens in the movie is she is going to say something to her daughter and you know that it's going to be something about the conversation they've been having, Mm -hmm. about the grandfather, about introducing the girlfriend. And you get a sense that she's going to say something real for a second because she hasn't said anything real the whole conversation. And she stops herself, pauses, and says, you should watch what you're eating. You're getting fat. Yeah. But the daughter herself even advises her girlfriend that she'll say that to you, but not because she's being mean, but because she cares about you. Yeah. The immediate preceding scene, that's what, she, that's what her daughter says. But maybe, you're, maybe what you're saying is the daughter's covering for her mom. Yes. she thinks her mom is mean and doesn't want the girlfriend to feel bad. Yes. That's what you're saying? Okay. That is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. And, and I also think that that scene is done very specifically to show that she's not having real moments with her family members. Sort of a superficial... It, having these superficial moments where she is not treating them well. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, they have to go uh, to the IRS building in Simi Valley. And uh, that's okay. that's basically where the rest of the movie takes place. She has filed her taxes and uh, someone at the IRS has, has taken issue with some of the things she has written off as expenses. Um, and so she has been asked to come in with a giant bag full of all the receipts of all of her expenses for right. the year that she has tried to write off, which include things like karaoke machines and just things that are clearly not business expenses for a laundromat. Right. And at this point, this movie becomes an absurdist tax uh, comedy. Like absurd, an absurdist bureaucracy yeah. movie, which I think is a wonderful genre. I think it's one of the three best ones, uh, with the other two being the Orson Welles uh, adaptation of The Trial, okay. a movie I absolutely fucking love. The Kafka book? The Kafka book, yeah. And then it is stars Anthony Perkins. Okay. Yeah, who's a king. Um, and then Brazil. 
Yeah, it's I was going to say Brazil is sort of the yeah. the movie about the cruelty of the bureaucracy. You know, Loki, the Disney series, the Marvel series, yeah. actually taps into that sort of uh, so... impenetrable bureaucracy fear. Yeah, but like in a way that's really surface. Sure, sure. It's, and yeah. really only the first episode. Yeah. But the first episode is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I feel about Loki the same way I feel about the rest of it, where everybody said it was really great and I thought it was fine. It was enjoyable. But like I just didn't okay. think it really hit anything. Well, yeah, whatever. Moving on. To disagree about Moving Loki. on. Yeah. But oh man, I, I I find you know absurdist bureaucracy just really pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. What's another one like that? Let's think. I think there's a Rocco's Modern Life episode. Could be. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's another movie I'm sure of where they just keep getting passed from an office to an office to an office back to the same office. But I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a subject that was probably a big deal in Eastern Europe. Yeah, you know, during comes the, up a lot after the cold during the Cold oh, War. Oh, I'm sure there's lots of like Czech sci-fi. Yeah, from the late '70s. You know, one of my favorite Stanislaw, whatever's one of my favorite Onion dot com videos. Yeah, is a video about how. Uh, it's a video that describes Franz Kafka International Airport as being the lowest rated in customer satisfaction. Yeah. It's so good. Hallways that lead to nowhere. My Ty- favorite. <laughs> Flights that just keep changing. <laughs> so, <laughs> planes that just literally just disappeared. You have to properly follow proper protocol. <laughs> My favorite Onion thing ever is a show they made. It's 10 episodes. It's called Sex House. Oh, I've not seen that. It's great. It's a reality show. All right. I'll look yeah. for it. It's on the internet? It's so good. I'll take, I'll I, I like Sex House is something I want to show at the film festival one day. Like all 10 episodes as like a feature. How, how long are the episodes? It's like 10 minutes long. Oh, they're, they're a little vignette. It'd be like a feature if you put it all together. Yeah. That, that's fun. Oh, love it. Um, but yeah, totally unrelated to what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, so because I actually were approaching the part, part of the movie where I think to get into much more detail beyond this, mm-hmm. we'll start to erode the experience of seeing it the first time. Because it's at this point of the movie where uh, the story of a woman getting audited by the IRS who has a tenuous or troubled relationship with her daughter and her husband mm-hmm. and her father yeah, uh, takes a real... Uh, left turn and it becomes what the movie is really about yeah uh and what the title implies and it's uh and i think i can say the next bit without really spoiling the experience of seeing the movie but at this point someone arrives and tells michelle yo the you know sitting in, a, in the irs elevator standing in the elevator that uh, she has a choice at this point where she can either proceed to the interview as planned or Go the other direction. And go into a closet. And effectively, yeah, go, yeah. O- open her mind to the possibility of... Doing something else. Doing something very different. Yeah. And and it's at that point that the movie really, like, starts to just move. It almost feels like it just accelerates from that point to the very end. Mm-hmm. It doesn't slow down. There's virtually no time to, uh, or de- 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 devoted to explaining itself. Yeah. It requires that you listen you know, in fact, at one point, one of the characters says, I already explained this to you. Weren't you listening? And then, I'm, and I'm pretty confident that they didn't actually explain it. And then they finally explain a little bit of why things are happening the way they are. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't ever go back to that again. Mm-hmm. You know, even even where some characters would be absolutely in their right to demand an explanation and allow the film to re-explain the premise to the viewers just in case they've lost track as well. They don't. 
Yeah, they, they, the the characters in the movie are they start to puzzle it out themselves because everybody's fairly bright, and uh, it's just such a there's stuff in this movie I've never seen before. It's really a fun, exciting, unique experience. It made me happy, and it's very thoughtful at the end. You know, it's yeah. it, like I keep, I emphasize that it was funny, and it is. Yeah, I would be very surprised and disappointed if somebody that I recommended see the film came back and said they didn't think it was funny. It would be like depressing if if I told I one mean, of my I friends to see if, this and they didn't laugh. If someone like, oh. didn't think it was funny, I think they would probably hate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so much of it that's dependent on you being amused, uh, knowing that you're supposed to be laughing. That yeah. it's, that not only are you allowed to laugh, but you are encouraged. That, no, like, no, if we you get it. are it's not funny. amused by it, it's just stupid. It, yeah, I, and that's, a lot of it is sort of the amusement of stupidity. I think that my yeah. aunt Nancy would not like it because I think she'd think that it was quote unquote too slapstick. Yeah, I think that's that, that's how she'd feel. So yeah. I guess there's a chance that you might find some of the physical stuff, the physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of dildo jokes. Not enough. Uh, not enough. Not Honestly, enough. every time I laughed. I laughed <laughs> the first time there was one introduced, and it just escalated from there. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's this sort of like dumb, you know, like making an ugly character in Saints Row 2 and then playing through the game. Yeah, and then like, every time you get to see your face in a cutscene, it's hysterical. a reminder that you made this horrible It's that creation. level of, of, of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have to be silly. You have to allow yourself to embrace silliness in order to you know and i think it's a movie that is encouraging you to do so that like if it's not normal for you to embrace silliness it's gonna handhold you into it yeah you really should laugh yeah i would love it if you would just laugh so now let's you know now i want to cross that line into like if you have not seen the movie yet just turn off the podcast stop yeah, listening. yeah go. because i really want to rip apart the ending um okay. uh, much like the movie rips apart time and space uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's just let's just count to three in case people are slow. But yeah. if you, but really, if you want to see the movie and not, not, and I really I think you should. I would be really should. sad if you kept listening now and had it ruined for you. Yeah, because it was such a wonderful experience. Like even when the the because it's split into three acts, the first act is the longest, and when it ended, I shrieked because I thought it was over. But it would have been satisfying, even if it that would have been if the movie ended. It, at the end of Act One, uh, yeah. it would have felt like a completely Wonderful satisfying movie, movie yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then there's a whole, and then there's two more acts. Yeah, the third act is brief. The third the, the, act is very brief. The third act is more like really, a, an epilogue. Yeah, it's really. a nice little conclusion. Yeah, honestly, it needed it. Um, again, without it, it would have been fantastic. But like to give us that, I think was really cathartic. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So what? What? Okay. So the thing is, she exists in all these different. Uh, multiverses, right? Everyone exists in all the different multiverses. Um, and her husband has become like a fighter of this this person who has linked up all of her personality. She has the ability to kind of travel through the multiverses into all of her bodies all the time, constantly, and then just fuck around. Yeah, this is can a movie bend that I, time and space can make things out of thin air. This is a movie that I think has a lot of fun with the with the um, stoner question: If you could do things differently, would you? Yeah. Because what what this movie puts forth is that there is a version of you that did that, and that with the technology that this alpha universe shows up with, you can log in essentially and download the experience of that other person. Yeah. And possess it. Uh-huh. And so, in a real interesting way. It appreciate you know sort of it approaches the question like what if I didn't go to law school well there in this movie's 
perspective of the universe. Yeah. There is an Alfred that didn't go to law school. And you can go and download his experience. And I can go see, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe jumping. that guy's just yeah. a bartender or maybe he's just a, a ship captain or something yeah. insane, you know? And the method you use to jump is by doing something that is so statistically unlikely yeah. that Prob- it causes it to happen. You have to, you have to jolt probability, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, they come up with the funniest ways to do that. Yeah, like putting your your tongue up, blowing into someone's nose, like that was one of them. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's very funny, um, especially as the characters come to appreciate the the system. You yeah. know, in, in the beginning, it's a uh, it's <laughs> off putting for Michelle Yeoh's <laughs> Evelyn to to put herself in these improbable scenarios, yeah. but as she develops a sort of comfort oh, the with most, the the scariest, most upsetting part of that movie was when he had to give himself four paper cuts. Yeah. Oh, I was like thinking about that is making me shudder. Yeah. <laughs> you can't give yourself a paper cut on purpose. <laughs> you know, and what, and, and uh, all right, so go on. I, I think I derailed you a little oh, bit. Oh, no, no. I'm, well, all right, so yeah, so, so it starts, so yeah, it's basically about a, a savior. They're seeking, it's sort yeah. of like the Matrix in that way. Yeah. They're seeking one person. Who can stop this entity and it turns that has out, total control? Well, yeah. I, maybe I don't. Oh, okay. Let's not even talk. Let's not. Let's not give away the the. Uh, we can. I think we can talk I mean, about I it a little. To. If you want to, you want to explain. Really, that's part of the reason. I'm I guess like, you can't really talk about listening. the second or third act. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. So what we find out is it's her daughter. Yeah. It's Joy, um, who is just incredibly miserable, and you know, so uh, Evelyn in all these places was a good strong jumper. And then her daughter was the strongest jumper of all, and she just downloaded so many versions of herself that her head well, I th- broke. I think Evelyn is implied or directly indicated as the creator yeah. of the ver- the verse jumping technology, yeah. mm-hmm. and she pushes her daughter so hard. harder than everybody else. Yeah, which I think which, is sort of like a trope again. in fiction, a tiger mom yeah. fra- a phrase. I have no claim to. I shouldn't use, but I think I've heard that before. Is that Asian mothers are very, very hard on their kids. But I, I will say. You know, whether, like, you know, culturally, sure. But I think the way it's being presented in the movie is just relatable. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you had a parent who was hard on you, who, like, you know, withheld love and pushed you to do things, pushed for perfectionism, criticized you. Well, yeah, look. You know. Don't characterize what I'm saying as I don't think white people should enjoy it. <laughs> Obviously, we can enjoy the movie. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm as white as it gets. I thought it was hilarious. You know, yeah. And I think Again, it's very it's mostly, relatable. I don't want to speak to the Asian experience as I haven't had it. Like, that's sort of where I'm coming yeah, from. Yeah, sure. We can't. And I also, I related strongly to the movie. Did mm-hmm. my mom treat me that way? No. But, like, did I have a parental figure who was really hard on me? Sure. Um... But I also think that that's kind of a universal experience. Yeah, to have sure, a sure, sure. rough relationship. That's fine. We don't have to have this argument now. Yeah, yeah. Where everyone can hear us. Exactly. This is for private time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. But it, yeah, she's so she's a, she's hard on her kids. She's hard yeah. on her husband. She's hard on. She wants to impress her dad. But that's all very relatable stuff. She pushes her daughter so hard that she breaks. She pushes her daughter so hard that she almost breaks all time and space. Yeah, exactly. You broke the universe. Yeah, it's it's a really fun metaphor, in my opinion. Um, yeah. To like talk about that kind of like parental trauma, um, and so now her daughter feels like nothing matters. She could do whatever, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing impresses her mom. Yeah. So. Who- why, why try? She clearly wants the relationship with her mother, 
but she wants to pull her mom into the nothing matters zone. Yeah. Well, her mother wants to pull her out of that, but doesn't know how because she's been pushing her into it for so long. Yeah. <laughs> what you're going to do to fix this won't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn another way. Exactly. And it is sort of a movie about her learning another way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good movie. It's, it's really very, good. I, I, I'm not ashamed to say it also made me cry. It made me I laugh cried. a lot. But, oh, I cried. But it also made me cry. It's yeah. a very sweet movie. Yeah. And there's a scene where... Uh, She's given a glimpse into the life she would have led had she not married Wayman, her, her husband. Yeah. And it, I think at that point, it's basically just about Michelle Yeoh. Yes. She becomes a kung fu movie sensation. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, I guess I assumed without really verifying that they probably used footage of younger Michelle they Yeoh. No, they did. At red carpets I and these beautiful that. gowns. Yeah. yeah. And, and watching that, I'm like, this is such an intriguing I like position to put Michelle Yeoh in. To, to pretend to be this person who wasn't her, to look fondly back on what it would have been like to be her. And she even jokes when they sort of pull her back into the present IRS meeting. She's like, I kind of like to spend a little more time in that um, dimension. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, the guy who plays her husband, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, I should know his name. That's uh, something I wish. Yeah, Wayman, the character I recall, but yeah. the actor's name I can't think of right now. He's, he's fantastic. They kind of make him into this ineffectual, Imma what's there? Is it immasculine? Like they, they 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 act like in the we'll call it timeline zero the way mm -hmm. we start. Yeah. They sort of treat him as though he's this this um, goofy, yeah. romantic, yeah. you know, not an idiot exactly, but she doesn't take him all that seriously. Yeah. In that timeline where she's the martial arts superstar, he looks like James freaking Bond. He's so good looking. Yeah, there. they put him in a sharp he's suit. So with handsome. Some, yeah, I'm like, and 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 that is, is that. <laughs> it's it's it was a, like it's, a, so she is like talking to him in, you know, timeline zero about how wonderful it was seeing the timeline where she left him. Yeah. And like she's saying that openly. She's like, I left you and my life was so wonderful. Yeah, and he doesn't understand it. And he's like, what are you talking about? And like getting upset. Yeah. And then she cut, she kind of zooms back to that timeline and in that moment sees him. And he's better too. And he's better too. <laughs> and I think that's so interesting that like, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, she had such a great life without him. He did also. And now they're having this moment to connect again after having lived full lives. Although, interestingly, in that timeline where she becomes the martial arts superstar, she is actually the product. That decision to become a... And, a, and again, this happens all in the span of about mm -hmm. 10 seconds on screen. So I'm yeah. filling in some gaps here. But it did seem like her inspiration for becoming a martial artist is that she was the victim of trauma. Yes. So th this movie also adopts the position that you have to suffer a little, I think. No, it doesn't. Okay. I mean, because you don't have to is what I'm saying. It may, if you do, something good could come from it or not. But it's more like I don't want to judge people who had a traumatic experience and it didn't better them in any way, you know? Sure. Because some people, you know, I, I think if you were traumatized, that doesn't make you... A lesser person right. in any but way to say whatsoever. That trauma leads to improvement. Is not to say that it doesn't. Have if you to. don't improve, means that you didn't do your trauma right. Exactly. But I can see why you might feel that. It, some people might say that you know there is a certain class of person I think who looks at a person who never gets over. I think their pain and feels what with doesn't kill you makes you stronger is absolute bullshit. Sure. And I think holding, a lot of what doesn't kill you makes you much weaker. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of what doesn't kill you almost kills you. Yeah. And then you have to live in an almost dead state for yeah. the rest of your life. Without a like, stomach or something. And I think <laughs> for that to be like such a common cliche, 
right is really harmful you yeah, know you're right that that, yeah. that 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 rule of thumb is stupid mm-hmm. i would say but, that, i would say that's right. a, a rule that's adopted by bullies. but you are right it does it, the the scene that inspires her to become a martial artist is she gets attacked yeah and an, another martial artist shows up beats up her attackers and becomes her mentor again all in about 10 seconds yeah and it's, it's such a, a cool way to show like an entire life mm-hmm. by using recognizable images and yeah. that's why i'm saying it's not a movie bound by convention but takes advantage of it yeah and each of these like sequences yeah at the beginning it sort of takes mm-hmm. it takes its time it takes mm-hmm. 10 seconds to show you what's going yeah. on you rely on like tropes and cliches and you can communicate a whole story very very quickly yeah but by the end you're you're the movie assumes you understand what's going on now. Yeah. And they go much faster. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's, a, so ex- it's so cool for my brain too because I get bored a lot. Yeah. I get bored. And I think that's the Marvel thing. Uh, yeah, Daredevil. They're fucking boring. They're boring. Because I know what's going to happen already. I've seen it already. It's not like breaking new ground yeah. ever. Well, those movies are really more like a TV series at this point. Yeah. And, and this is a movie that's taking advantage of the fact that it assumes I know all this stuff so he can show it to me in 10 seconds and then show me something I've never even thought of. Yeah, this is a real movie. Yeah. In a way that movies haven't felt like movies to me in a well, long time. Well, it actually just felt like the, us having the Marvel conversation at the beginning was worthwhile. So I'm glad because I, I, I feel embarrassed when I talk about stuff I don't like. What? What? You feel embarrassed? It's just disappointing when I don't like something. Oh, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't like everything. <laughs> and it's It's thrilling. No thanks, I say when someone tells me that. I'll, people tell me I'm going to like something all the time. I'm like, I highly doubt it. <laughs> it sounds like shit. <laughs> you should. God, I have a PlayStation. I have a PS5 for the listeners at home. I, I theoretically like video games. In the last ten years, I probably played five. And it's Elden Ring. Well, Elden Ring is the game I'm mostly playing right Fortnite. now. Fortnite. I played Fortnite for a little while. I played Apex Legends for a little while. But my point, the, the point I'm trying to get to is dwarf game. Yes, I played Deep Rock Galactic. Well, here's the thing: I'm not totally Rock closed off. Stone. Rock and Stone. I'm not totally closed off to the idea of trying something, but I have played enough that I kind of understand how almost every game works, and I just don't need. I I know that I'm not I'm not going to finish almost every game because yeah. I get so bored of the cycle of play, and the same is sort of true of movies and TV. God, I'm the opposite of you there. I am like so hungry for new shit all the time mm-hmm. to the point at which like I don't really like going back and revisiting things. You're talking about games if now, some, not movies. I'm talking about everything. Okay. I'm talking about movies, TV. I, actually, I will play more older games, honestly. And I'll watch older movies. But yeah, it was, you just it was, watch like, The Ring. a really popular movie that like I didn't see but I've heard about and all that. Like I'm not really that hungry to go see it because yeah. it feels like it's not not it's, new. Yeah, it would be weird if I yeah. was like, hey, have you seen, have you seen Heat? You're like no. I'm like you should see Heat. Heat's great. Yeah, Heat's but like great. I've never seen Titanic, and I feel no desire to. Yeah, because it just feels like I'd be treading on something. Well, that's that, like, like 25 years old. Now. Yeah, and I feel like I've heard everything about it, and I've seen it riffed on, and I've seen it done again. You don't want to see the scene where she says, "Paint me like one of your French girls." The thing is, I've seen that scene, but I've just seen it outside of the context. You don't want to see the scene where he says, "I'm king of the world." I've seen that scene in a Charlie XCX music video. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's not interesting because I'm well, sure. just looking yeah, at something I'm you, familiar you, you with. You probably already. wouldn't want to go back and rewatch the Matrix for the first. Not rewatch, watch the Matrix for the well, first. Well, I kind of would because I love the Matrix. Okay. Okay. Well, so feels two, like maybe you're just a hypocrite. Two movie, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I mean, it feels like you have a rule here. Like, you have more of a feeling. I seek shit out, and I'm I'm looking for new experiences okay. all the time. Have you seen the Prestige? Yeah, I, the Prestige is pretty good. I probably talked about it on here before. And you talked about it a lot. That's the reason I use the I think name Alfred. Talked about all the it time. within the last three weeks. Probably. Yeah. Well, tell, we talked about magicians. I tell everybody to see the Prestige. Yeah. You should see the Prestige again. I would watch. I would actually watch that again. I could, yeah. I would almost do an episode of this pod about the Prestige, except Let's that I like it prestige. so much that I'm not sure that I I could be impartial. But I really do think that movie's great. I yeah yeah okay. But um, back to this movie. Well, can I just say there's been two movies this year that I felt riffed on the Matrix better than the new Matrix did. Which yeah, you, was yeah, you can say that. Kimmy. I don't know that. Kimmy was really good. Oh, that's the one on uh, Netflix film. or something. Um, I think it was on HBO maybe. Does uh, is Zoe it's Kravitz Soderberg. in it? Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's got to be on HBO because he has a deal with them. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. About it's that. good. I'd like to see that. It's got a really good Matrix thing in it, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. I, I think has a lot of Matrix in it. Oh, for sure. This but movie has a lot of okay, like. So again, I know Kung Fu. One of my favorite conversations to have about the Matrix is the theory um, that a lot of people, you know, feel the movie is representative of schizophrenia. Okay that i've not i've not once heard that really i'm shocked i haven't talked about this before so there's a take on the movie where neo um is a schizophrenic and has created this secondary world kind of in his head where he's the hero and is like kind of living through like an altered version of reality that's perceived through a mental illness where he's just like the most important person on earth okay right because if you really did perceive yourself as kind of the protagonist of everything and the world savior. Yeah, the one. Like, you know, that's kind of a a symptom. (laughs) Yeah, I believe, I guess. I don't know. And I think everything, everywhere, all at once is kind of playing with that same thing where our main character is all of a sudden the most important person in the universe. Yeah. Which is actually multiple universes. Yeah. Which is every universe. Yeah. So that made me think about the Matrix. That first scene where she goes into the closet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I think The Matrix is an incredible um, and very like informative piece of storytelling that, yeah, uh, I, lo- I is, love The it's Matrix. It's good enough its time. Yeah. When I saw The Matrix in theaters, I walked out and I said, it reminded me a lot of Dark City, which I preferred. Yeah. I prefer The Matrix to Dark City all every day, all day. Yeah. All at once. Sure. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, it obviously had more staying power. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was, it was, but uh, again, I do think you're right. Power. I probably won't go back and watch The Matrix again anytime soon. Yeah. I don't know that I could. Yeah. Frankly. And I liked it a lot when I saw it. Yeah. Even though I just said I liked Dark City more. I just, mm-hmm. I really liked Dark City. I thought Dark really City was is goofy. Alex Proyas, friend of the pod. Yeah. Dark City has some really Dark cool City imagery goofy. in it, but damn, it's goofy. I know. William Hurt. Not a great story. No. Rest in peace, William Hurt. No, not a great story, no, but it's not all that different from The Matrix. Really cool movie. See, The Matrix on its own isn't all that interesting. It's everything that's built around it. Yeah. And it it almost inspired like a whole genre, that Mm -hmm. Animatrix. There's all that other Matrix stuff, none of which was envisioned by, you know, uh, I guess the Wachowski siblings when they made that first one. That first one, I think, was a, you you know, they even used the sets. From Dark City when making The Matrix? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Like, yeah. In my view, that movie was just a shot at something, of you know, redefining yourself. Yeah. You know, it's sort I of mean, a boundaryless person, personhood. The, the like, the BDSM. The changing, growing metaphor yeah. as the, the two of them came out as trans. There is no spoon. It's wonderful. Implying that, you know, like there is no, we're not, the, the construct no boundaries. is. boundaries. Yeah, yeah. The construct is in your mind. None of yeah. this is, none of this is relevant. You beautiful. Can, yeah, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Movie. I don't think all that other stuff, all that yeah. Animatrix stuff existed. Frankly, the, the idea of it all is almost irritating they, they they created this whole lore background 
which I don't need and doesn't it didn't improve the first movie and the two sequels that followed it weren't very good. The first mm-hmm. one's good all by itself. Yeah. It's enough. But yeah, I do think The Matrix is a huge influence on everything everywhere all at once. Sure. It's a huge yeah. influence on a lot. Yeah. yeah. And definitely this movie, the mm-hmm. movie that we're talking about right now. Did you have anything else to say about the ending? You, I think you wanted to talk about the ending of this I movie? I mean, it was mostly just talking about the mother-daughter relationship, okay. which we kind of went into. And I think, yeah. Do um, like I we, just, I think it's so be- depicted so beautifully and resolved in a way that's incredibly human. Yes. It's, it has two resolutions. One is the fantastical and one is the human where they kind of just talk to each other finally in a real way. And the two, they're intercut. Um, which honestly, I feel like I'm going to cry again. I know. <laughs> like, it's so moving seeing them having this sort of like epic um, space battle almost where she's trying to disappear into a black hole, which is actually an everything bagel, which is the funniest fucking thing ever. I love the bagel so much um and it really is like leaning into their juvenile sense of humor exactly but yeah. it's it's so good but it works so effective it works and and it's intercut with them just having a conversation about their relationship and um evelyn finally being real with her daughter for the first time in the movie and the movie really gives her evelyn's character a similar um conclusion i guess or climax with each of the ancillary characters she has the same thing with the irs agent she has the same thing with her husband she has a whole relationship with the irs agent there's a a timeline in which they are together and they have hot dog hands yeah you don't yeah all right (laughs) that that gag works so well on me so funny (laughs) at the in the final shot of the credits hot dog fingers dot um it was hot hot dog hands llc llc is like one of the producers of this movie yeah so good it's they, such they a good gag incorporated the hot dog hands god there's a scene i mean and i, I guess we're well into the podcast now if, if at this point there's no hope of not spoiling the movie experience oh, no. we told everyone to turn off yeah there's a there's a bit where they tell her the reason she's the one in this instance is that she is at best mediocre at everything yeah in a way she is the poorest outcome of all of the various evelyns because she didn't thrive at anything which is actually implied it's sort of, there's like there's like breadcrumbs that lead to that in that irs interview because she tries everything yeah and her yeah. husband's like she she thinks you know she's got a lot of hobbies she tried to be a singer but she you know she's she tries got a lot of hobbies and she confuses them with business yes which is so weirdly insulting without me being but also able to trying to, he's trying to help her like, not get busted by the irs for well, every time he like talks to someone for her yeah she's always like what's he gonna do how is he gonna ruin this and he always Saves her ass. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. Her her uh, exchange with him, though, was moving. It moved me. Uh, her, her, she, she has less of that with her father, I think. God, and he, she stabs him in a moment. Mm-hmm. And he looks at her and starts to cry and says, why did you do that? And then turns to the people behind him who are trying to kill her. And says, can we stop fighting, please? Yeah. Like, stop the violence. And like in that moment, I fully knew everything about him. Yeah. And that he was the best person on earth. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good movie. Yeah. I just, I, I can't think of a movie that's made me feel the way it made me feel. So it's a, uh, a I give it a thumbs down, surprisingly, <laughs> to not see it. Uh, one out of five. One out of five stars. Yeah. No, no just, actually, of course I'm kidding. On Letterboxd, I almost never um, give something five stars the first time I see it because yeah. I think it needs to age. Like Get Out, I gave 4.5 stars and then I rewatched it, gave it five stars. 
everything ever all at once. I gave five stars immediately. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. walked out thinking it was a masterpiece. I think it's a masterpiece. I, I would be disappointed if it wasn't the best picture of the year later. It won't be. No. Because it's a juvenile. It's got Because it's, it's funny. It's silly. Because yeah. it's funny. And, and, and nobody thinks funny stuff is important for it's some reason. It's too interesting. Yeah. This, I, can't, I would be yeah. shocked if another movie made a better point about anything this year. Yeah. This movie makes more points. And then, by the way, it's not short. It's almost two and a half hours long. It is. It's yeah. a full experience. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's a lot in it. The first act felt enough like a movie that I I was concerned that it was over. Yeah. Without having really resolved everything, and yeah. uh, it, Man, it got me again. I I almost forgotten the thing about how the the main character version of Evelyn is bad at everything or like never really. Yeah, jack of all trades, master yeah, of none. Yeah, she never fulfilled any of her potential, and that's what makes her. The most ideal. susceptible to yeah to like and i think this is just also a wonderful thing to say about people is like you know you still have the most potential you always have the most potential yeah you didn't you didn't you know it's almost like a video game character creation yeah. to go back to that idea it's yeah. like every other character in her every other universe was a character that was more specifically dedicated to one idea mm-hmm. and she was a person who never who never quite figured out what the thing was that she was going to be good at and she was still important and she had the capacity to become Anything. a master of all yeah of even the, at a master 59. of the universe yeah. Yeah, even, yeah oh i love it i love it so much and i gotta say when when she the one of the first things she has to like jack into another you know uh verse yeah to learn is is, is self-defense the kung fu stuff i think mm-hmm. i think she might say kung fu i'm not sure yeah but um that moment where where Michelle Yeoh goes from playing this like exhausted, harried laundromat owner into like s- sort of takes on the posture of Michelle Yeoh, the, <laughs> yeah. the super, you know, the the, the, the international the, megastar, the international megastar, but a karate or whatever kung fu expert. Yeah, like that. There's like a, I got goosebumps watching it because she immediately adopted the posture. Her of someone stance. Who yeah. knows how to do this? You yeah. know, and, yeah. and that, that's why I think they probably picked that one to do first mm-hmm. because it was such a natural like. It's incredibly convincing to watch Michelle Yeoh suddenly become, you know. Yeah, I mean, and you got to get kung fu into the movie as yeah. fast as possible. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it's, everybody it, wants that. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of comedy. <laughs> everyone in there's the audience, a lot of and everyone behind the camera, and everyone in front of the camera—they all want that. We all want to do the fighting. So. Yeah. And one last word about Jamie Lee Curtis. She's such a gamer <laughs> She's for doing this. So good. Yeah, what, this is a what role a that champion. Yeah, this is a role that would have probably gone to somebody. In a more conventional casting, it would have gone to somebody like, um, like some the, weird character actor. Yeah, the woman from Will and Grace would be perfect for it in a way. Uh, the Not Deborah Messing. Yeah, the the one who's um, who's married to who's married to, to the guy Debs. from Parks and Rec. Yeah, <laughs> I think of him as the guy from Deb's. Yeah, listen, I, my mind is total cheese at this point. We are both cheese. What is her name? Why can't I think of her? She's so funny. It's fine. All right. I'll I'm look losing my I'm mind. No, let's not. This might be, let's this not, might let's be the end. Let's leave it as is. Yeah, we probably got enough time yeah. here. I, I think you no, heard No, we're, we're definitely. Our, you our, you our, guys have heard enough. You don't get any more. Yeah. We'll, we'll hear from Merms. I'm sure he's got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to answer to his uh, blasphemous criticism again. Actually, let's ask. Let's ask Merms. Okay. Did this movie blaspheme? Do we, th- you know, because one of the interviews, uh, one of the articles I read, the Daniels, I'll read the headline. This, uh, that's the new, I'm gonna, the I'm new gonna, segment. Did this movie blaspheme? I'm going to read the, oh wait, it's not here. Let's see here. One of these things. Everything everywhere all at once is about losing faith in God. Okay. Yeah. And that's the, right. and that's Daniels saying that. I don't know which one of them said it. One of the Daniels. One of the Daniels. So this is another movie that is about... I guess losing your faith in God. Yeah. So, Merms. 
Balls in your court. <laughs> well, would you like to reconsider Morbius? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't like it. It hasn't improved. Yeah, I'm ready, I'd watch it again though. Absence has not made my heart grow fonder. No, it um, hasn't. I I do find myself laughing at it more and more. Yeah. Um, I have not yet changed my Twitter account name. Don't. Yeah, I guess maybe I never do now. I feel like the moment to change it was right after I saw the movie and, and found it lacking. Yeah. And now that I haven't. You kind of got to stick I with it. I kind of think maybe I'm stuck in this. Yeah. I will say I've now brought Morbius up in front of people a few times and had them ask me where they can watch it. Oh, no. I know. They're not getting the point at all. Yeah. Tell I'm, them to watch this movie. I told I told someone not to watch it and they said, well, it can't be as bad as that Suicide Squad movie. And I'm like the the, the James Gunn. Well, the I thought Squad? they were talking about the other the one, Will Smith. Yeah, and so I said, "Oh, that one was really bad." And they're like, "Yeah, I hate John Cena." And I went, "No." And then I told them they needed to go watch Morbius as soon as possible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I nice. they deserve it. Yeah. If you didn't like that Suicide Squad movie, the then James you're gonna, Gunn one, then you're gonna love Morbius. You're gonna love Morbius. You piece of shit. Yeah, that's my reconsidering. But Morbius. I, I did watch the entirety of. The Peacemaker, mm -hmm. which is just about that James, John James, James John Cena, James. that John Cena character. <laughs> James Cena. And it's pretty fun. I, and I say that because I don't really watch a lot of TV. I, I, mm -hmm. I you know, I'll, I'll see this and that, but I, I specifically finished that, that yeah. uh, Peacemaker show. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Well, I got to go home. I got to yeah. go host a screening of Frankenhooker at Shillelagh Tavern. You probably can't get any. I mean, I'm, this is there's not, no not, value in talking about that no, now. No, not at all. No, no, it's happening tonight, <laughs> yeah, and this is not coming hour, out until to Tuesday, which yeah. is in three days. Well, how do you think it went? I think it went great. Yeah. God, I hope so. Yeah, you feel like all, all the guns that was to the, to the benefit of the. <laughs> you bringing up how you want to buy a gun again <laughs> on the podcast? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Although you can do it, it's pretty. Hey, here's some fun news. If yeah. you're out here in New Jersey, uh, where we uh, fly in to record these. Mm -hmm. um, Marijuana is now recreationally legal. I don't, I don't know if that's the way to say that, but you can get it at dispensaries without yeah. medical. Adult need. use marijuana is now available. That's right, adult use. You have adult to be twenty-one. Use. You got to be an adult. And to I use. don't think you can smoke and drive. You can't. No. But Governor Mercy, Mercy, Governor, Governor Murphy, Mercy, Governor Murphy is loosening some of the screws on that, which is nice. Well, thank you. Yeah, a little public service tip for those in the Garden State. All right. I'll see you next week. Goodbye Wait, forever. we might take next week off. We might because you're very busy. I'm, I'm going to a wedding. And a very Your busy. wedding? No, it's not my wedding. Someone else's wedding. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It, it, we don't need a lot of time to do this, but we'd have to see a movie. We, yeah. We'd probably want to be we'd in the same place. We need enough time, and I might not have that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> all you ever need is enough. But oh, yeah, you yeah. might not have enough. It might, it it might, might not be, be possible. It might be impossible. It might be impo if it's impossible, we won't do it. All right. If we That's don't do deal. it, I'll see you in two weeks. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, right, goodbye. <laughs>